This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. It is a joy to be here with you this morning. Just really quickly, I've just been told, you know that incredible young dancer that we saw in that video? That's one of our um, Farsi congregation members. And standing up for, for justice and what is right and using creativity to do that, I think that's just an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, to do. So yeah, know that and um, have a chat to them and, ha- and keep praying for um, Iran right now, specifically with all the devastating things going on there. Well, my name is Adam and I'm one of our youth pastors here and it's my joy to be here with you this morning, but, but I stand here this morning having a confession to make to you this morning, New Hope. It's something that uh, half of you in this room are going to be terribly, terribly disappointed at, and the other half, potentially secretly, will be proud and wish that you could do the same. My Christmas decorations are already up, New Hope. <laughs> Is anyone else in the same boat as me? Does anyone else already have their Christmas decorations up at home? I'm seeing a few hands, I'm seeing a few hands online. I'm sure there's some more people. I'm, I'm sure you're at home online so that you can watch and put up your Christmas decorations. I'm sure that's what's going on here. See, Christmas is one of those busy seasons and I just love to extend it as much as possible. You see, if the decorations are up in the shops, according to me, they can be up in my house. My wife Kelsey and I have a bit of an agreement that um, after Melbourne Cup weekend um, is when we can put the, our Christmas <laughs> decorations up. And um, I'm no lawyer, but I think my wife and I understand that rule a little bit differently. Um, Kelsey would say that after Melbourne Cup weekend is probably, you know, the Tuesday we go to bed, we wake up. Now that's after Melbourne Cup weekend. Whereas as we were unloading our luggage from being away Melbourne Cup weekend, in comes the suitcase, in comes the Christmas tree, in comes another suitcase, in comes the boxes of Christmas decorations. For me, it is so important to extend that season. And I completely acknowledge that as an extrovert, this season and the way that our culture has shaped this season has so much to do with being with others. And as someone who I reckon has a bit of a gift of admin and who loves being with people, this season comes with a reason to hang out with people. So why would I not make the most of that? Why would I not try my best to hang out with as many people as I can? But I know that for, for others, and maybe you're sitting in this room today, that that's not the emotions that come with this season. Your, your first thought might be, oh, what am I going to cook? Oh, what am I going to buy? Oh, do I have to think about the kids' teachers this year? And it's a whole mess of just thinking and processing. And I think that we can sometimes get so caught up in some of the little things of the season, we forget the heart of it. It's one of my favourite questions to ask a newly married couple or a newly engaged couple as they're going on their journey towards marriage. Well, what are you going to do for Christmas? I think people often forget that now that you're married, you become your own new family unit and that means that suddenly things get a little bit harder when it comes to seeing other people and being with others. 
You see, no longer is it just you going to your parents for Father's Day or, or, or she going to her parents' house for Father's Day and then we just work it all out like that. It's your one unit now. And so it gets a little bit trickier. I think sometimes that this season can become a little bit more about just getting in the same room as those we love. We stress so much about, about schedules and, and how we're going to meet that we forget to simply be with. I don't know if you resonate with that. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before, that, that this end of year season in particular is filled up with so many things to do that the people in our life almost become like a to-do list. People who we just need to make sure that we see between these certain dates so that it feels Christmassy. But I want to encourage us today that, that that's not how God has designed family and groups to be. God has designed us for life-giving relationships. To be with others in an incredibly healthy way. And I think that there's um, a passage in Scripture which I would love to unpack with us today that kind of highlights some of these things of how we can be with others in a healthy way. I'll be reading from Colossians chapter 3 today, verses 11 to 14, if you'd like to read along with me. I'll be reading from the um, New Living Translation today. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. As I was reading and unpacking this message, I thought that I could identify five things that we could do as Christians, to have healthy, life-giving relationships with those around us that help us to be with others in an incredibly healthy way. The first part of this passage says that it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. You see, God has no preference for race, ethnicity, nationality, culture, class, creed, cheat, or, or chuck whatever social construct that you want to chuck in there. That's not what God sees. God sees you as a child, as an image bearer, as a memory, as a member of his family. This isn't the only verse where we, we read a list of comparisons like this, specifically written to evoke emotion in the original target audience. It's echoed again in, in Galatians 3. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, some of these labels that we love to put on ourselves or, or these classifications or groups or, 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 or whatever 
social constructs that we have for humans, the way that we think about people, God sees beyond that. I think it's neat that they've intentionally added barbaric or or, or uncivilised, super extreme examples. You see, all of these barriers that are are listed out, slave-free, barbaric, uncivilised, are true examples from the ancient world. But God's family sees no barrier. 1 Corinthians 12 paints the picture of of God's family as a body. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we've all been baptised into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. God favours no race. God's family is inclusive, not exclusive. That was my first takeaway point as I unpacked this message is that God's family is inclusive, not exclusive. What are the most famous famous verses of all the ones that we learn often when we're a child? John 3.16 says, whoever believes. There's no specific label there. There's no specific term saying that it's only for some people, but whoever. Alan spoke a few months ago on this picture of the church being like a watering hole. A place where anyone and everyone can come to drink from the well of life. I think that's what God is calling us for our families to be like as well. What might this look like for you in this Christmas season? Maybe you're dreading Christmas Day because there's a particularly difficult auntie. Maybe you've got a brother that you just don't quite see eye to eye with, a parent who you don't find supportive. What would it look like to cast that aside? To fully include them? You know, maybe you've got a neighbour who's recently had someone pass away in their family and they're spending Christmas alone this year. Or maybe you've connected with some other people who've just had family move away or maybe they've moved from interstate or overseas and they don't know a soul. What would it look like for you to include them this year? You see, we're all part of God's family. And the call to be with doesn't just stop at the labels of our immediate family either. God's family is inclusive, not exclusive. What does that look like for you? The the scripture goes on to say, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you you must clothe yourself in tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Chosen is a word that I think um, can frighten us sometimes. Makes us feel like everything is predestined and pre-worked out and, and where does my freedom come into this space? But can I encourage you to take chosen as a comfort or as a purpose today? 
God chose us. He has a purpose for us. But it's up to us to act on that. At New Hope, we don't think of our mission as being a mission of our own. Rather, we participate in the mission of God. You know, it's with a joyful tenderness and love for for people and creation that we seek relationships that bring healing, hope, justice, and peace. And we emphasize this through making sure that we proclaim the kingdom, that we make Jesus known, and that we make disciples. See, God has given us an incredibly clear purpose in the form of a great commission. In Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. The second thing I picked up was that God's family has a purpose. What does that purpose look like for you in this season? Who has God placed in your life that you can share the good news with? That you can be authentic with? That you can be vulnerable with? You see, we want life-giving relationships. And then this passage, in fact, lists some incredible virtues of things that help us specifically in our relationship. These virtues focus on relationship. They don't focus on things like cleverness or importance or stature or power. So I think it's interesting that those are the things that our culture tends to focus on and and put on a pedestal. But God puts forward virtues that seek for us to be with each other in incredibly healthy ways. And I know that can be difficult to do. I know that there are potentially people in our lives or, or situations that have hurt us that we feel deep pain over. But the good news is that living out these virtues isn't for us to do on our own. You see, when we accept Jesus, when we are welcomed into the family of God, the Spirit comes to live with us. And with that, we can rely on the strength of the Spirit for His incredible fruit. The Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the third thing I picked up as as I was reading through these virtues that God wants us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And it's by stepping aside some of these virtues or things that society favours when we focus on relationship with people. And by relying on the Spirit, we can see healthy, life-giving relationships. Passage goes on, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I think Jesus modelled this to us in the ultimate way. We're sitting here today having our sins already forgiven. The sins in our past and the sins that are potentially yet to come are already forgiven under Christ Jesus. 
You see, usually we might wait for someone to, to come up to us and to apologise with a very specific formula. You know, we want them to express regret. We want to see them accept responsibility for what they've done. We want to see genuine repentance. And then we might decide to grant them forgiveness. But you see how God flips this completely on its head. God leads with forgiveness. Which leads me to the fourth thing that I picked up in our passage. God leads with grace. There are many things that people may have done that have, that have hurt us or wronged us. God isn't calling us to sit in a space where we can let that fester, when we can let that grow into a grudge. Rather, God encourages us to lead with grace. To make the first move in forgiveness. To forgive like God forgave. Above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. See, all of the virtues we led before manifest in love at the end. See, without love, all those other virtues kind of unravel a little bit. God wants us to lead with love. In fact, the fifth thing I saw is that He wants us to be known for love. Imagine a world where people could mention Christians or Jesus followers on the news. And the first thing that every single member of our society, of our world thinks of is love. Oh, those Jesus followers are always showing love. Jeez, they're just always in communities helping people. They're so full of grace. They love on absolutely everybody. You see, I don't even think that this is something that we need to imagine if we strive to live out these things that God has, has listed out for us. If we make it an important thing to live out healthy relationships, if we seek life-giving relationships, if we seek a place where we can be with others in a healthy way, I don't just think it's something that we have to imagine. I think it's something that we can see. My wife, Kelsey and I are planners. And a few years ago, we were in the midst of the Christmas chaos and we just saw time and time again that we felt like we were rushing from place to place just so that we could see someone. We said, this, this just doesn't feel right. We feel like we're spending lots of time with some people that we really, really love, but don't get to spend a lot of really quality time with other people who we deeply love as well. And so we sat down and we, and we set out to come up with the ultimate plan or the ultimate schedule for the Christmas season. I reckon we were pretty brave. I reckon we were pretty bold. And I reckon that we actually got something out there that allowed us to be with others. 
You see, our goal in this wasn't for it to be a checklist to see the most important people. Rather, our goal was, how can we prioritise those in our lives so that we can be with them? I think if we take a posture from what we've unpacked today, us as believers can be with others in a healthy way. Because God's family is inclusive, not exclusive. God's family is on mission. God's families foster healthy relationships where we live out the fruit of the Spirit. We lead with grace and forgiveness. And God's family is known for love. Christmas comes with a pre-built-in reason. My goal this Christmas season is to sit down with as many people that I can who are important to me, but who are yet to know of the love of Jesus. I love to challenge myself to see what could happen if I spent the time to ignore some of the craziness and focus on the Christ. to spend time with them and share that there's a little bit more to Christmas than just seeing people. There's more to Christmas than gifts. In fact, Christmas is all about one gift. The fact that God blessed us with a saviour in the form of his son. I'm hoping that some of these conversations can be life-giving to those most important in my life. But I think the call for us today is to not only think about Christmas season as a time to be with others, but our whole lives. Where do you see life-giving relationships in your life? Where has God placed you in a position where you can be with others? where you can share God's light. Love to welcome up the worship band and pray today. God, we thank you that you lead with grace. Lord, we thank you that that you lead with forgiveness. And Lord, I pray today that that we can see that you have laid out a roadmap for us. That you have given us examples of how we can be with each other in healthy ways. Lord, I pray that over some of the, the, the chaos and the craziness of this season, that we remember Christ. God, that we remember that you're the reason for this season. Lord, I pray that you can place people in our lives who you intentionally want us to be authentic and vulnerable with. Where you want to see growth, Lord. 
I pray that you can reveal them to us, oh God. Lord, I thank you that your family is inclusive, not exclusive. I thank you that you operate on an open front door policy where anyone is welcome in, God. And God, I pray that today we leave this space knowing that we can rely on your spirit for strength. To live out virtues that favour relationship rather than the things our world puts on a pedestal, God. So God, help us be with others this season in a healthy, life-giving way.